This is Tailgates O'May. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Brian Kaufman. We're back for another episode to talk about what you care about most in the world of college sports. We have a great show planned for today, but first a reminder, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it. If you like the show, we'd love if you leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show. You can also find me on Twitter at Gorgon Sports. I'm on a scorcher right now, six and one on Championship <laughs> Monday for college football picks. Sixteen and five on college hoop picks last week from Tuesday to Sunday. What an unbelievable heater! Can you believe it was just what a week ago when I when I needed a a therapy session from you on my picks, Brian? <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... Not a bad job, if I do say so myself. Uh, things turned around, but this is why it's cool when you know you you show your picks, win, lose, or draw, and you put them out there beforehand. And because sixty and five is a is a heck of a scorcher, and you know not to rain on any parades, but before that, it wasn't going so hot for a few days when you first were getting going in college basketball. So just had to get your feet wet. You're back now, uh, and and I'm ready to tail. Man, I'm feeling good seeing the board. And now I will say a few of those picks have been like, I think I've won four games by a half point, which has just been <laughs> unbelievably stressful and nail biting. So I'm, how it you goes. Know, I know a few of those will turn back the other way, but feeling really good about this last week. This is one of those runs where you just ride it as long as you can, right? And have as, have as much fun as you can. But that's been great. So if you want to see my picks, again, follow me on Twitter at Gorgon Sports. We are going to be college basketball heavy today. We're getting back into the swing of things. We're about a third of the way through the season uh, or through the conference season, rather. So a great time to kind of reset things conference by conference. Maybe you're just starting to get back into the college basketball season after focusing on football like a lot of people are. We're here for you. We're here to kind of set everything up for you, tell you what you've been missing, and then talk a little little bit about uh, what we're excited about to look ahead to the rest of the way. But Brian, I do want to start off with another topic first. The biggest news of the last week in the world of college sports is that Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren will no longer be the Big Ten Commissioner. He was announced as the Bears president and CEO. And I, you know, he was an NFL guy um, before coming to the Big Ten now going back to be an NFL guy once again. There is some chatter out there that maybe he's on a short list to succeed Roger Goodell at some point as NFL commissioner. So, um, you know, makes sense in that regard. I talked a little bit about his legacy and kind of all the things that he has encountered as a leader of this conference over a very short period of time, a three-year period of time. But, you know, he went through so much and, and encountered so much over that time that it feels like it's it's a lifetime, like his predecessor, Jim Delaney, who was in the seat for over 30 years. But it wasn't. It was three years. And I talked a lot about that on the last solo show I did. But what I really wanted to ask you, because I've been kind of thinking about this and to some extent struggling with this over the last few days, is like, how much do you, as a graduate of Maryland, as somebody who cares very much about Maryland's athletic programs, how much do you care who the leader of the conference your fav- favorite team is in is? How much do you care about that? How much do you think that matters to you or any other fan out there? So I think that's two different things, right? Like I think 
I think it matters as you think about the well-being of your alma mater's athletic program. You want to be in a thriving conference. You want to trust the leader of that conference to make good decisions. Um, as far as how much I care, I just kind of think like there's a lot of other variables that I feel like I care about. And I don't know if I'm in the minority here, but like, I, I, I didn't really bat an eyelash. Like other than that's the name that I know. And you're right. There a lot happened in just a few short years that, that he's been in the seat. Um, and so he was in the news and obviously uh, the, the COVID cancellations with football and big 10 stance on that and all, all of that sort of thing. Um, uh, to me, you know, the world keeps on spinning. And and I think that there are, well, I do think that it matters for, in my instance, Maryland, right? That somebody's in the Big Ten commissioner's chair that's doing a good job. I just think there's other, other, pe other people that require more focus or have more of a direct impact. And so that's a bit where I come down. I, I might be in the minority, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it too. So I, I thought about it a lot because it's uh, it's obviously a very influential, impactful position. And I felt it was very necessary to kind of talk about his legacy and what he had accomplished because he did accomplish a lot in a short period of time. And I don't want to rehash all of it, but probably the two things that he did accomplish that were really important where were drawing USC and UCLA to the league and making it a truly coast-to-coast -coast league and then securing a over a billion-dollar annual media rights deal uh, that is going to put Big Ten football on Fox, CBS, and NBC every single Sunday. And that stuff is a really big deal. And the leader of your conference is the person doing that kind of stuff. But what I have grown a bit tired of in this modern era of college sports, if you spend a lot of time on college sports internet, you see fans getting very excited and throwing it in their rivals' faces over how much money in media rights revenue their school brings in. Like, for example, I haven't seen this, but I'm sure it's happened. Like, an Iowa fan might brag about that to an Iowa State fan. And quite simply, sure. for, for me, I don't care. Like, I understand that the amount of money an athletic department brings in is important for a variety of reasons, whether it's facilities, whether it's the ability to attract uh, quality head coaching candidates or assistant coaches, whatever the, the case may be. But at the end of the day, like why I like college sports, why I like sports in general is what's happening on the field, not the media rights negotiations that are going to mean my team has more money. Like I don't see a lick of that money i don't see a cent of that that doesn't benefit me in any way truly so i've grown very weary of that and so all i really care about from a conference commissioner perspective is just a true as a pure fan is like can you ensure that my team is going to continue to be able to compete at the highest level of the sport and have access to the things they need to have access to. And I guess money does end up being a part of that. But really, when I say that, I'm thinking more of the this eventual Super League that might come down the lane in, in college football, where the 60 or so biggest schools might band together, and those will be the schools playing for a championship every year. Because if Maryland is not part of that, 
then I feel like I'm missing out on something much more so than if I'm a Texas Tech fan right now in the Big 12. And I'm like, oh, the Big 10 got a billion dollars annually and we only are getting X hundred million as a conference (laughs) annually. Like that doesn't move the needle so much to me for me. I just care. Can you ensure that my team is competing where it needs to compete? And also the other big thing is, can you ensure that I can see the games where I want to see the games? Because to be frank, if I was a Kansas fan right now, I'd be pretty miffed that they played a monster conference game against Iowa state this weekend. And the only way you could see it was on ESPN plus. And I like ESPN plus it's a good product, but sometimes I just want to turn on my Xfinity box and be able to press the guide and scroll and then flip between that game and what's ever on ESPN and what's ever on CBS. And I don't have that ability. So I'd imagine that's an annoying thing for the big 12 at the moment. So I would say those are really the only two things like as a fan, I care about from a conference commissioner. I, I think you nailed it. I, and, and you hit on a few additional things that Warren did well, that'll be good parts of his legacy. And I'm not trying to say that, I could have negotiated a billion dollar TV contract for the big 10, but like a lot of candidates for that job could have, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that sort of sells itself. And so in in that sense, I I think we're generally in alignment where it's like, he did a good job. And I, and I, I also just kind of think the next person will, will do a good job in whatever comes their way. But yes, the, the conference is set up for success going forward. And that's that's enough for me as a as a as a fan fair enough well you know we may not care necessarily who is leading the conference but we do very much care about the results on the court and we are in the heat of college basketball season now just under a week removed from the football national championship game it's going to be almost all hoops all the time until the end of March, or at least in terms of the meaningful games being played in the world of college sports, it's going to be hoops, hoops, hoops. And, you know, personally, I love it, Brian. I, the reason I started this podcast, I love college football. I love college basketball. I love college baseball. I, I'll watch some lacrosse every now and then. Uh, so this is, for me, just as good a time of year as, as the fall. And, and I'm really excited to dig into it. And I want to start off tonight with the conference that I've had the most fun watching this year. And it's really evolved into my favorite basketball conference, basically year in and year out for the last, I don't know, maybe four, five years at this point. And that's the Big East. And the Big East has been chock full of surprises this year. At one point, UConn was the number one team in the country. And by when I say one point, I mean two weeks ago, they were the number one team in the country. Well, now that team is four and four in conference dropped a devastating home game today to St. John's, which was, I didn't see that coming. I, I took UConn minus, I can't remember if it was 13 and a half, 14 and a half, whatever it was, thought it was a great rebound spot for UConn. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong on that because they, they did not look good. And, and that's not a, a great St. John's team by any means. So UConn, the team that was number one in the country a few weeks ago, now four and four in the conference Uh, You have Xavier, Sean Miller, the return of Sean Miller in his first year, Xavier, seven and oh, you have Providence, six and one Marquette, six and two as the top three teams in that league. Xavier, huge win today 
against Marquette at home. And, uh, you know, I guess it, it shouldn't be unexpected at this point, given what Sean Miller's accomplished in his career. But I don't know. It's just everything, everything that he went through, both, uh, I mean, it's all self-inflicted, really, during his time at Arizona to just come out of that and now have a team that looks like it could win the Big East and potentially make a deep NCAA tournament run in his first year is just just unbelievable. So, Brian, I guess I'll I'll ask you, I'll read you the odds for the Big East here. Xavier, minus 140. Marquette, plus 290. Providence, plus 750. Those are those three teams at the top of the conference. Then you have Creighton, plus 850. And in the 4-4, four and four, UConn Huskies, former number one team in the land, plus 1,100, 11-1 to win the conference. What do you think about those odds? Anything you like there? I mean, this it's been such a season of ebbs and flows in this conference. I think that probably has something to do with why it's been so enjoyable. I mean, you think about even another team like like Creighton who beat Arkansas and has a loss to Nebraska. And, and you mentioned some of the other teams too, right? Um, so as far as, as looking at odds, you know, I don't think that – uh, we we had these conversations on the air a lot, and and you try to find some value here, right? So while Xavier does certainly look like the best team right now, it's tough to debate, especially after the win over Marquette. I don't love the minus one forty. Um, a team that uh, I would keep an eye on is the, is the one that I mentioned. Man, I think Creighton's another team that was being talked about as a top ten team early on in the season and they, they hit a real serious cold spell. I mean, there's no doubt about that. They lost six games in a row after starting six and zero, including losses to Nebraska, BYU, Arizona state's been pretty good, but you'd like to see them take care of them. They've, they've bounced back. Okay. Um, obviously they took an L to Xavier as a close game, took an L to UConn as well. Um, but I could see them going on a, on a bit of a run and, and evening things up. So if I had to sprinkle here, that would be my choice. Um, I don't know, you know, Marquette has looked pretty good. Those are pretty good odds, even though they they did just take that uh, second conference loss. Providence is so interesting, right? Like they, they're rolling pretty good in conference, but they had two losses um, at the Mohegan Sun when we were there to, to two teams that Maryland handled with ease in Miami and St. Louis. Um, and, and, and particularly with St. Louis, that loss is, is looking less great by the day. So um, this is a tough one. And, and I, that might be a theme as we go through these conferences, but I would put a sprinkle on, on Creighton if I, if I was a, to, to bet on the champion at this point. I think right now might be a great buy low spot. You might even wait until they play Marquette later this week on the road um, on Providence. So Providence has had the toughest conference strength of schedule thus far number one toughest conference schedule to start the year and they went six and one against it the rest of the way their schedule is ranked 10th out of 11 so they have a their schedule gets significantly easier they're plus 750 right now and they're only a game back of xavier they're sitting at six and one compared to xavier seven and oh i think that's something to take a look at i mean they do have tough game they have marquette as i mentioned wednesday on the road. So maybe you even wait and see if they lose that game and it, and it bumps up again, because I mean, after that, their schedule is only going to get easier and easier. So 
I really like what they've done. Um, they're just a team that they've won a lot of close games, but it seems like Ed Cooley teams are always being, people are always like, oh, Ed Cooley's teams win close games. They can't keep it up. It's not sustainable. Well, they seem to do it year after year after year. So I take a look at Providence. And then, yeah, I would agree 100% that you can't bet Xavier minus 140 right now, but I do just have to call them out. Their point guard, Suli Boom, just an unbelievable player. He is probably my favorite player to watch uh, this season. He's been unreal. He's bounced around a little bit throughout his career, started at San Francisco, then played three years at UTEP, now in his first year at Xavier. And uh, he's just a ton of fun. He He's that classic Big East point guard who does it all. You know, he's a high usage guy, but he's a, he's a pretty efficient player, unlike some of those Big East point guards that you might think about in the past. He's a 44% three-point shooter. He gets to the hoop. He has great vision. And for my money, he is, he's got to be one of the, I don't know, call it five most fun players in the country to watch. So I love Xavier. I love watching Suli Boom. And I'm interested to see how this conference shakes out the rest of the way, because I think they have in Xavier Providence, Marquette, UConn, four teams that are probably, I think those are all sweet 16, potentially sweet 16 caliber teams and throw in Creighton in there. That's five. You know, I wouldn't be shocked at all if three of those five teams end up making a sweet 16. And I I think that's just a a super fun conference to watch. I, I think the other conference that's been the most fun to watch this season has been the big 12. And that's not a surprise. It's kind of what we've come to expect year in and year out. And, of course, they're led by the defending national champion, Kansas Jayhawks. And Kansas, like always, off to a strong start in conference. They're 16-1 overall, 5-0 and in the league. And uh, they're, you know, kind of cruising their way towards another number one seed. And that's kind of what Bill Self Kansas teams always do. One seed, two seed, three seed, Big 12 champion. Uh, that's that's where you're always going to find them. Sole loss on the year to Tennessee. Got a big victory yesterday against Iowa State, and they're off to a great start in Big 12 play, but they've played some really close games. Of their five Big 12 victories, they're in their 5-0 and start. They beat Oklahoma State by two, Texas Tech by three, Oklahoma by four, and Iowa State by two. So they are not invincible by any means. They're good, but not invincible. Um, and then you have right behind them, Texas and I- Iowa State and Kansas State at four and one. To me, I think Kansas State, Brian, is the story of the year in college basketball with Jerome Tang coming over from Baylor as an assistant at Baylor in his first year as head coach at Kansas State. And then you have Keontae Johnson, who is playing uh, after transferring from Florida. Uh, many of you may remember that he collapsed on the court during that 2020 2021 season in a really scary moment in a game against Florida state. And now he is playing and not only is he playing, he is a meaningful contributor on that team. It's he's arguably, arguably their best player on that team in the starting lineup and and just a a great story to see. So Brian, I know we talked a little about this off air. What do you think about those wildcats? Yeah, it's, it's an amazing story. And, and you know, Jerome Tang, after being an assistant at Baylor for so many years, finally, you know, he he was one of those coaches. I feel like we're seeing this more and more in, in college sports, both football and basketball, where guys kind of waited out to find the the right 
head coaching opportunity as opposed to jump into the first head coaching opportunity and i do think you know even before the national title jerome tang was somebody who was going to be up for some of these jobs and and kansas state looks like they knocked it out of the park with this hire but man keontae johnson like you said 18 and a half points a game seven rebounds a game he's impacting the game in all the same ways we saw him do at florida when he was in the conversation for being one of the best players in the country um just a really really impressive kind of uh immediate turnaround if you will for for kansas state under jerome tang and as far as the league goes like for me i i would say this is right there with the big east in, in my favorite conference I, I think one of the things about it is there's just truly truly no off nights right like trying to name the worst team in this conference like tech is oh and five in the big 12 as we record this right but they're still a nightmare on d they did get blown out by iowa state but their other four you know you mentioned kansas's close wins texas tech's other four big 12 losses are by six to tcu by three three to kansas by five in overtime to oklahoma and by two to texas who's another one who's right there in in who's competing i mean oklahoma state uh you know they're they're not having a great year also within two of kansas Uh, and so i think um I'm really excited for Texas and Iowa State on Tuesday. Um, but it's one of those things that like night in and night out, these matchups are going to be meaningful. Um, and so there's a lot of teams who are right there, but I think Kansas State, chief among them. And and kudos to Jerome Tang and the guys, because I don't think preseason we thought we were going to say that. Now on the kind of flip side of the ledger, a team who has been really good is the Texas Longhorns, Texas right there at the top of the league as well, sitting at four and one. But obviously they've had a extraordinarily tumultuous year off the court. Uh, Texas fired head coach Chris Beard. He had previously been uh, suspended um, following domestic family, uh, domestic family violence charge later was fired. And so they are, operating without the the head coach that they started the year with it, it's you know they've held it together pretty well in in a in the midst of a very tumultuous situation but you have to wonder you know at some point you would think that all takes a toll whether it's emotionally whether it's mentally it's just a really tough scenario for a basketball team and you know for guys i mean it's no this is not something I talked about Sean Miller having self-inflicted issues at Arizona. These players at Texas, this is not self-inflicted by on their part. It's the, uh, you know, everything that Chris Beard, Chris Beard being fired. That's, that's self-inflicted. Um, you know, he has nobody to blame, but himself for that. But I just, when you think about the guys who are still there on that Texas team playing out the rest of the season, this is a team that, you could have talked Final Four. You could have talked even national championship, certainly Big 12 championship. You think that's all still realistic for them? It's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, they, they've won a couple of close games since he was officially let go. And um, I think that's that's impressive. I mean, a couple of home games, TCU, Texas Tech, um, it, it, their last two out, uh, one by a combined six points. Uh, but looking at it from a macro level, like, at some point they're going to, they're going to face some serious adversity. And I think that's when we're going to find out the answer, right? Like 
We have they have Iowa State uh, on the road on Tuesday, like I mentioned. But uh, coming up a week from Saturday, uh, they go to Tennessee. Right, that's a really good team. And like, part of me wonders, like, I'd like to see what happens in the next game against Baylor if Tennessee kicks their ass, which might happen. Right? It, it. I think Chris Beard's a great coach, and and or was a great coach, and part of why what made him a good coach was the ability to keep his team together, make adjustments, things like that. Interested to see what could happen um, when that's needed and he's not there. And and so um, certainly not saying he, like he should be gone and he's gone. And so now this, what can this team do? Uh, excited to, to see it because uh, the big 12 is a tough league, but from a talent perspective, they're right there with anybody. They've got really, really, really good players. Um, you know, Marcus Carr, uh, the, uh, this year's transfer, Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell. They have a lot of a lot of good guys who can make impacts on games. And so I hope they're able to keep it rolling because you're right. That's, it was realistic to talk about them being there that last weekend of the season. Um, it's just easier to say, to, to get around to answering your question, like it might be a little bit too difficult to keep it, keep it together to, to go on a similar run as you might have expected. And I will say uh, the interim head coach for the Longhorns, Rodney Terry, 10 years of previous head coaching experience at the Division One level, seven at Fresno State, three at UTEP. So certainly a guy in that spot with experience. He seems to have done a, a very nice job so far. It is just a tumultuous situation um, if you're a member of that Texas Longhorns basketball team. So, uh, okay, so Kansas clearly the favorite in this league, minus 220 as far as the betting market goes, followed by Texas at plus 600, TCU at plus 900, Kansas State at plus 1,000, and then Iowa State plus 1,100. And Iowa State, very similar team to Kansas State in they are under second-year head coach TJ Otzelberger, who came in last season, took them to the Sweet 16 a year after they didn't win a single Big 12 game. So even the teams in this league that seem to be on the downturn quickly start trending up again, it seems like, when they bring in a new coach. Brian, my question for you is, I mean, would is there anybody on this list that you would say, hey, yeah, I'll take a shot against Kansas with them? historically it's not the smartest thing to do so i don't blame you if you say no that's fine but is there anybody you see on there yeah i i mean the answer is i think kansas is going to win this conference but but that's not necessarily you know what is something worth a sprinkle when you're talking about getting plus 600 plus 900 plus a thousand you know I might sprinkle K-State. I like what they're doing. They have Kansas on Tuesday. So, uh, I mean, if you're if you're going to do it, maybe you wait to see the outcome of that game. But um, I, I think that they have a really nice flow on the offensive side of the ball. They've clearly bought into what he's doing. Um, and, and they don't have real deficiencies from what I can see, right? Like, like what are we going to point out as the they can't – do this or you can massively take advantage of this so um that's that's who i'd have my eye on but i certainly expect with bill self's experience and and the talent that they have i mean kansas looks like they're right back to being a national championship contender coming off the title yeah i'm not taking any shots against kansas here 
They are Kansas. They have Jalen Wilson, who has been at Kansas for four years, a member of that national championship game. He is playing at a really high level. Probably nobody, nobody is playing outside of Zach Eady. There's probably nobody who's playing better in the country than him. You know, one of the things when I looked at that Tennessee game for Kansas, the only game they've lost, Kansas had some some issues with Tennessee really getting after it on the offensive boards. Tennessee had 15 offensive rebounds that game. So just something to watch out for. Maybe if there's a really good offensive rebounding team, might be able to take advantage against of Kansas in that way. But for my money right now, Kansas is the number one team in the country. Kansas is my number one overall seed, and I would not bet against Kansas to win the Big 12. All righty, well, moving on here. We're going to go to the Big 10. Uh, that's the conference that, we watch very closely. It's near and dear to our heart, Brian. And you can't talk about the Big Ten without starting with Purdue and Zach Eady. Zach Eady, the seven foot four center from Purdue, has to be the story of the year in college basketball, if you ask me. This is a guy who really went from being a role player to being the best player in the country. And it's not particularly close. Purdue off to an unbelievable start this year, 16-1. and one. Their sole loss is to Rutgers at home, it's something that's becoming a bit of a yearly trend at this point. But the Boilermakers are 5-1 and one in the conference. According to Ken Palm, they are projected to finish 15-5 and five in the conference. The next closest team would be Rutgers at 13-7. and seven. And then you have a whole glut of teams between 10-10, and 11-9, and 9-11. And uh, most of the league, in fact, is project projected to finish between nine and 11 and 11 and nine. The only teams that are not are the aforementioned Purdue and Rutgers at the top and then Nebraska and Minnesota at the bottom. So out of the 14 teams in the league, 10 are projected to finish within two games of each other. And I think that really defines the league right now, Brian. Um, what, I'll just ask it to you simply. What do you make of this conference right now? Yeah, it's 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 a big uh, cluster F, if you will. You know what I mean? Like it is night in, night out. You you are going to find unexpected results. You're going to see teams that uh, overperform, underperform. It is um, it it's a long way from the prognosticators saying that Indiana was the clear favorite in the preseason, which is a funny thing to think about now because that's how this was viewed. And I feel like when we talked about it. Uh, mostly offline, but it was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see Purdue jump into the top like this, but I certainly didn't see the Hoosiers as some far and away superior team. I think it was far more likely even without Purdue jumping up that we saw this, you know, glut of teams. I think it's a great word for it where one or two over the course of the season kind of iron their way out. Purdue's come out hot. Um, I, I think it's a, it's, it is what it is. It defines the league. It's exactly what you said. I'm, I'm just so interested. Like you mentioned Rutgers, um, right. And that's a team that, that, that has jumped out to me. They, they have a loss to temple, but they have the win over Purdue. Like you said, they have wins over Ohio state and Maryland so far in the big 10, couple of quality conference wins, if you will. Um, there's a, there's familiar faces when you watch Purdue, right? They have guys who have been there for a while, and, and if and that you know, uh, Steve Peichel's been growing this program. Cliff right, Amore, Paul Mokey, 
to name a couple that are just really good, solid, experienced basketball players. Exactly right. So are they um, really a contender for, for the championship in the league? Well, I think they are, Brian, and uh, I'm sure you listened to my solo show that I did Thursday, but I said I was recording it during the Ohio State Rutgers game, and I said I think this is a matchup to kind of figure out who, you know, is can one of these teams be the number two, maybe even challenge for the crown? And I said if I had to have my pick, I'm sorry, they were playing this weekend, but when I recorded it, Ohio State was playing Minnesota, and um, I said I would take Rutgers at, at plus 800, 8-1, eight to one, to win the big, to win the conference. Well, now that number is down to plus 550. Of course, Ohio State lost to Minnesota. And uh, I do need to apologize to everybody out there because I was trying to keep an eye on that game and talk about it and everything else during the solo show. But I accidentally misidentified that Zed Key. I thought Zed Key didn't play in that Minnesota game. He did play in that game. He played 30 minutes, just not very effectively. And I, I still don't know if he's at 100%. Uh, so and then Rutgers takes down Ohio State over the weekend as well. I would say Ohio State is out of that conversation. I won't even consider them. But Rutgers, I mean, I, you know, look, plus 800 is a lot better than plus 550, which they're at now. But yeah, I think I think they are a legitimate contender. They have questions on offense. They do. They are not going to be look at their one loss. Iowa got them an up and down game. Iowa beat them 76-65, and that's not where Rutgers wants to play. Rutgers wants to play in the maybe even the high 50s, if not low 60s. And so so to me, that makes Rutgers a team that is not a real threat to go to a Final Four, not a real threat to win a national championship. But could they win this Big Ten? I I think it's very possible. Uh, You know, defense travels. Defense can take you a, a, a long way. I called him out already, but Cliff Amori, one of my favorite big men to watch in this league. And then you got to call out Cam Spencer. Transfer for, from Loyola, Maryland, has hit a bunch of big shots. His older brother was an unbelievable lacrosse player at Loyola, Maryland, transferred to Northwestern where he played a year of college basketball. What an unbelievable, unbelievably athletic family. And uh, Cam Spencer has been a huge huge contributor for that team. So look, they're an old team. They're an experienced team. They're a talented team and they're a tough team. So yeah, if I'm betting on one team, it's going to be, it's going to be Rutgers. I would like it a lot better at the plus 800. It was earlier this week, uh, but I still considered giving it a shot now at plus 550. All right, Brian, real quick, two minutes uh, to wrap this up before we move on. Can Purdue win a national championship? My answer is no, they can't. I don't think their guard play is good enough. And I don't think you can do it without having good guards. You know, it's funny. We, we had a similar conversation maybe uh, three, four weeks ago, maybe a little bit longer when the, when it was still surprising. Maybe it was much earlier on in the season. And and I said yes, because I was really, really buying him as Zach Eady. And then I've, I've seen them a, a little bit closer and, and I'm buying into what you're saying. I think that Fletcher Lawyer is going to be a nightmare in the Big Ten for a while. I don't think that he is lead guard, get you a bucket when you need it type of style. And so I do have concerns about, about their ability to go far. I think that it's tough when you have to feed a true back-to-the-basket guy to uh, in this day and age to to – go the distance. So 
I'm joining the no train, although I do think they're they're like a really unique and fun team to watch. Um, it's going to be tough for them to to beat some of these teams with really good guards come March. It, it's not a knock. It's just how I feel. I, I love Zach Eady. I love watching this team. I like those young guards. But if you put Jaden Ivey on that team, that is my no doubt about it. Number one team favorite to win the championship. I just think in the tournament, you got to have multiple ways to win. And I just don't see them having multiple ways to win. All right. Well, we're done with three conferences. We got three to go. Let's take a break and then we'll come back with the SEC. Okay. Three down, three to go. We'll move to the SEC, Brian. And this is a league that it feels kind of top heavy this season. You have Two really good teams at the top in Alabama and Tennessee. And then it feels like there's a huge gap between everybody else. I mean, I think Alabama and Tennessee are in line for, I think you're both of them are going to be one, two, three seeds, something along those lines. If you look at bracket matrix right now, Alabama's a one, Tennessee's on the two line. And that feels about right to me. And there's been a bunch of teams that are underachieving namely Kentucky. Anytime Kentucky is not at the top of the conference, it's underachieving for them, but being 11 and six overall two and three in conference and suffering a loss to South Carolina earlier this week, that's bad. Now they did rebound. They did get a big win over Tennessee on Saturday on the road, something that uh, you don't think many people saw, saw coming given that they were a double digit underdogs in that game. But the SEC right now does seem to be Tennessee, Alabama, and everybody else. Uh, what do you, what do you, what have you been your thoughts on the SEC this year? Yeah, I, I think that that's a great way to look at it. I think Kentucky, like it's 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 so night and day. Like that South Carolina loss is is atrocious. Like that 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 can and very well might come back to bite them when you're looking at NCAA tournament candidacy. Like it's that level of bad. And then it, you come out the next game and get a win that is very, very much a feather in your cap. So it's like what to make of that team in particular. I don't get it. They, they have a ton of talent, right? A, a lot of their losses, like to be fair, are excusable, like maybe not Missouri, but, Gonzaga, UCLA, Alabama, like you, you'd hope they get one, but those are excusable. Um, I don't know. This team, it, it doesn't feel like they're clicking like Kentucky teams of the past that have, have gone on runs have. And I don't think we're going to see a, a surprise Kentucky run like we did uh, whenever it was when they made it to the title game against UConn uh, when, when they were uh, I don't know, six six or eight seed or something that year. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I agree with you on the two teams that are out in front They're They're, you know, fun to watch. They're sort of fun to watch for different reasons. Um, you know, Texas A&M out to a four and start. Don't, don't anticipate they're going to be a player long-term in the conference. You know, they, I don't think they have a win over a top 25 Ken Palm team. So, um, a, a nice start, but, you know, projected to finish kind of in the middle of the pack with everybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'd love to get your thoughts too on 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 the betting here. But for me, if I'm looking at it like much like you are and seeing a bit of a two horse race and seeing that I can get, you know, a little bit better than two to one on Tennessee to win the conference, I like that bet. Um, I, I think that that's a reasonable bet, and I um, 
I might do a little sprinkle on that one. The next closest is 29 to one on Auburn. So like, you're not going to go that far down the list, but I think you could, you could pretty easily talk yourself into placing a bet on, on the Vols. I love it. I, I really love this Tennessee team, regardless of what happened They're They're another experienced team. Uh, Santiago Vescovi. I mean, he's been around forever. He is such a versatile player for them. I I'm a huge fan of his, uh, I love their point guard Ziegler and they're a team like Rutgers where they are a great defensive team and defense travels. I would rather with Alabama, the thing with Alabama is as good as they have been the past couple years under Nate Oates, they always feel like they are one extended drought from just it being over from completely going in the tank. Now, they have an unbelievable freshman this year in Brandon Miller, who's one of the best players in the country. But I still feel like they are just in one extended drought from from going in the tank. And I don't know if you need to look any further than the fact that they rank 16th in the country in percentage of three-pointers attempted out of total field goals attempted per game. Almost 47% of their total field goals are three-pointers. So it's a it's a live-by-the-three, die-by-the-three team, and they like to get up and down the court. And I'm just scared that if they go on a drought, then, you know, it's it's game over. And with Tennessee, I think they can grind it out with you. They, they will grind it out. Uh, they can win in a variety of styles. So, yeah, give me that two to one. If you look at BartTorvik.com right now uh, on his site, he projects both of them, both Alabama and Tennessee, to finish the season at 15 and three. Why would you possibly bet minus 250 on one when you can get two to one odds on the other? So that's one I'm I'm in. I've played. I like it. Now, one thing I do we do need to mention, Brian, as much as we love to, you know, Celebrate the fun stuff about college sports, the fun stuff about a college basketball season, gambling, all that good stuff. It, it warrants mentioning as a show that covers college sports, especially as we talk about this conference, that there was some pretty tragic news to come out of Tuscaloosa today. Uh, a member of the Alabama basketball team, Darius Miles, was one of two men charged after a fatal shooting took place. A 23-year-old woman was killed and Darius miles, a member of Alabama's basketball team was charged with capital murder. Um, I don't think that requires any analysis. I'm not interested necessarily in talking about how that may impact the team the rest of the way. I I think it just bears mentioning that this is a, an important story in college sports and, and we'd be, remiss if we didn't mention it uh, obviously a, a tragic situation there in Tuscaloosa and news that just broke within the past couple of hours all right so moving on we'll go to the ACC and we got two conferences left here the ACC and the Pac-12 and the ACC is an interesting one Brian because like the Big Ten there seems to be an absolute glut of teams but they don't have a Purdue. They don't have anybody that has the best player in the <laughs> no, country. <they> don't. <laughs> right now, they have the Clemson Tigers sitting at 7-0 atop of that conference, while one, two, three, four, five other teams are sitting at 5-2 and two in the conference, two games back. Clemson, an unbelievable story, great story this season to get out to this 7-0 and start. 
but they're still only number 54 in the Ken Palm rankings. The computers don't love them. The computers don't love this conference at all. I don't either. This is what I exactly what I was afraid was going <laughs> to happen to the ACC this year when you don't have Mike Krzyzewski, when you don't have Roy Williams anymore, because let's be honest about that North Carolina team last year. This is basically how they looked for much of last year until they made that tournament run. I don't think the ACC is very good. Am I missing something or, or are they just not a good conference? Yeah, no, they're not. And it's not particularly fun. I think uh, this might be the official slogan of ACC basketball this year. The computers don't like this league and neither do I. It's uh, it's not a particularly enjoyable watch. Um, you know, even picking through, it's another one you're talking about where there's, there's going to be a heap of teams you know, that are generally lackluster vying for a conference championship. I, I don't know where to to look for the winner here. I mean, I, I think like Charlottesville could be a good place to start that, you know, Tony Bennett's an experienced coach, um, you know, a, a winner. They don't have any, you know, truly bad losses on the radar yet. And, you know, they'll generally be consistent, Um and they've got some good contributors there. Kihei Clark's stuck around. He's been there a while. And so you maybe look for experience as you try to find a team that 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 may be able to pull away from the pack. But no, as far as I'm concerned, we're not we're not missing a ton. I think it is interesting, right? Like you you mentioned, I think Carolina is a team to talk about because they they do have so much back from the team that made that incredible run. And it it hasn't started quite like maybe they would have imagined. Is it is it, you know, uh, certainly nobody expected them to do that last year. They've shown they can do it, but it far be it for me to predict it to happen again. But like, is have, have they given you any indication that that they are a national championship contender? I mean, it's a funny question to ask about a team that's four and three in conference in January. No, no, they haven't. And honestly, if I were to look for a team to kind of repeat what North Carolina did last year, I'd be more inclined to look at Duke because Duke is the team that, you know, they have so many talented young freshmen. They've had injuries with Jeremy Roach being out for the last three games, a critical part of that team. And they've really struggled without him. They have one of their, and I talked a little bit about this on my last solo show, but Kyle Filipowski, the seven foot freshman, he has been unreal. He is he has shown up. He's been everything as as advertised. But the other really highly touted freshmen have not. So, you know, there is still time. There is still plenty of time left in this season. If you look at North Carolina's last season, you know, uh, sitting in around this time last year, they lost back to back games to Miami and Wake Forest and they were kind of left for dead. They were 12 and six overall, four and three in the league. Nobody saw that run coming. So I don't see a lot from North Carolina to say, hey, they can they can replicate this again. Uh, but I, I if they're out of those two Carolina Blue Blood teams, I would be more inclined to look at Duke for that kind of potential run this season. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. You're right. They do have a ton of talent. And Filipowski has been really, really, really good. It's just that he's not he's not getting any help. Um, and and 
John Shire's probably getting his feet wet a bit too. And I'm, I'm still seeing, by the way, and I, uh, interviews with Kay like in Duke basketball offices. And it, it confuses me every time because I thought the whole thing was like, you know, he's he's going to let the program move on. And of course he was never going to do that fully, but like uh, I'm certainly not blaming him for their lackluster start, but like it probably can't be that fun for John Shire to try to put your own stamp on the program when, you know, daddy's upstairs kind of keeping an eye on everything. I would imagine John Shire is is feeling some pressure right about now. I mean, it's hard enough to be the guy who follows the guy, but to follow Coach K after the way he went out last season with those North Carolina losses, to bring in this recruiting class and now be four and three in conference uh, can't be a great feeling for John Shire in his first year at the helm. I, As far as betting goes, Man, oh man. I mean, I guess Duke at plus 650, you know, Clemson's going to come back down to earth at at some point. They're going to lose some games, but they've been really good so far this year. I got to give them credit. Hunter Tyson, I talked about him a little bit last week. He's been a great player for them. They're an old team. They're an experienced team, Um, but I, I, I can't bet on them to win the league, even with a two game lead at, at plus 300. If I were to pick two, it would be Virginia at plus 200 and then Duke at plus 650. Okay. Let's move on to our last league, the PAC 12, Brian. And this is a league similar in my mind to the sec where you have these two teams in UCLA and Arizona, uh, you know, the Arizona's loss to Washington state last weekend notwithstanding that are two really good national final four caliber type teams right now. Bracket matrix has both on the two seed line. I think there's certainly the possibility for each of these teams to move up to that one seed line. Uh, When I think about this conference, I I really think about those two teams. I don't know. It's entirely possible that those are the only two teams that make it out of the Pac-12 this year, which is which is a real problem for the league, uh, especially given that one of them is going to be moving to the Big Ten sooner rather than later. But while we have it, I mean, I, I just feel like this league is the Arizona-UCLA matchup and, and not much else. Yeah, yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, it's um, an intro, and then Arizona going down by, by almost 20 points at Oregon this weekend. It's like, it's like you want to believe that they're part of this two horse race. And of course they're going to, they're going to make the tournament and all that stuff, but that's kind of a, a surprising loss for sure. I, I think it's UCLA's to, to kind of pull away with as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it looks like Ken Palm has them projected at, um, at, at 18 and two and nobody else within five games of them there. So um, it's uh, it's they're They're an experienced team. I mean, they've, they're good that, you know, and, and they're not even getting much from Amari Bailey, who they thought they might be getting some more from. And, you know, we obviously saw them in person um, give Maryland the business uh, to, to keep it, <laughs> polite for what they actually did to Maryland that night. Uh, it wasn't very fun, but um, yeah. I mean, when you have a guy like Hawkins, you have a guy like Tiger Campbell, a pair of seniors who have been there, who are experienced. Um, I, I think, I, I think it's not unrealistic to look at UCLA as a team that could end the season on the one line for sure. I'm with you there. 
when we saw them in person, I was really impressed with their freshman, 6'10 freshman, Adam Bona. He was really good. And Maryland doesn't have the biggest, most physical front line, but he dominated that night. He scored 14 points on seven of eight shooting and pulled down seven boards. But, you know, that's not that that's not dissimilar to what he's done to a bunch of the teams in the Pac-12 as well. On New Year's Day, he went 8 of 10 for 18 points against Washington. He went 7 of 9 for 15 points against Utah. So when I look at that UCLA team, I see a team that can do it in so many different ways, whether it's with Tiger Campbell, um, whether it's with Jaime Jaquez, again, a guy who's been around forever, was part of that Final Four run three years ago, such a versatile player, or whether it's in the post with Bona. So I, I really like them. Good defensive team. Arizona just takes you, you called it out, but they take bizarre losses. They've had three really weird losses and none of the three have been close. They lost by 15 to Utah. They lost by 13 to Washington state. And then they lost by 19 to Oregon over the weekend. So, you know, I guess it's more accurate to say it's a one team race. UCLA is that top team. Um, the more I think about it, the more we talk about this and the more I watch that team, I think UCLA is a national championship contender. The question you kind of have to ask yourself, and it's I can't believe you have to say it about the Pac-12, but is UCLA at risk of going into a Gonzaga-like state where the competition is just not going to get them ready over this past six weeks of the season for a deep tournament run? Man, how wild is it that that's like a totally reasonable question to ask? I think that the talent's there. I mean, I think that they can, you know, that it it's not going to be the same as they were getting to play, you know, a, a Big Ten schedule, for example, like they're like they're going to uh, down the road. I'm not I'm not concerned from them because they have the experience, right? It's not um th these guys have gone on tournament runs so you know i i i think they'll trip up once or twice i do think it's a one horse race i don't i don't think they'll go unbeaten in the conference and and hopefully they can take some things and and learn them and apply them down the road cuz i do think this is a team that could go on a deep run and i think that's a reasonable concern but i think Mick Cronin's a good coach they're experienced they are senior laden and and i'm not going to worry about them now very good all right Brian this was a great reset as we dive deep into conference season going forward. We'll be going more in depth on the big games of the week, big games of the weekend. We just wanted to give everybody a chance to kind of reset out there as we're a third of the way through conference play uh, for today's episode. I want to bring back a segment we used to do on a previous podcast, Brian. Now who's in, who's out it's college basketball season. We love to kind of do the whole blind resume. Who do you have in? Who do you have out? So every week going forward, through until the tournament, I'm going to give you three things. They might be college basketball related. They might be sports related. They might not be sports related at all. And we're going to say who we have in and who we have out. And we're going to start with college basketball first here. So NCAA tournament chances of these two blue blood programs, Kentucky or Indiana. Let's say one has to miss the tournament. One has to make the tournament. Who's in, who's out for you? Oh man. Okay. Coming out with a banger. I like it. I, if, if I had to pick one that I feel more confident about, 
I think I'd say Indiana's in. I, I think the South Carolina loss could really hurt Kentucky. That's not a good basketball team. Um, I think they're like 230-something in Kempom. Now, on the flip side, of course, the Tennessee win could go a long way. Um, but Indiana's got some feathers in their cap, too. They they have a win over Xavier, which is looking like a really good win. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and as you try to predict the future, I think it's less likely – I think it's more likely that we have not seen the end of Kentucky's bad losses than the wheels kind of falling off Indiana. So I know I mentioned that I didn't, you know, ever really think they should belong in the conversation as like a big 10 favorite. Um, but I, I, I like what they're able to do. I like Trace Jackson Davis. I, I trust him more. Um, and so I think uh, I'll, I'll leave the Wildcats out, which is wild. Unreal. I'm going Indiana out, Kentucky in. Brian, over a five-game stretch between December 20th and January 11th, Indiana went 3-2. and two. They didn't have Xavier Johnson in any of those five games, and they gave up 44% from beyond the arc. They are not a good defensive team, and if there's one trend with everything I've said today, it's that I really value defense in college basketball right now. Indiana does not have it. Trace Jackson Davis, unbelievable player, one of the most fun guys to watch, but he just can't do it by himself. Like he's putting up these unreal stat lines and it's not really making a difference. They they got a huge win against Wisconsin this weekend. Maybe that's the start of a rebound, but I just think there's still too much talent on that Kentucky team where I'm going to say Kentucky's in, Indiana's out. All right, moving on to something Sports-related, but not necessarily college basketball-related. So this is the second year of the seven teams on each side, each conference NFL playoff format. We now have six total wildcard games. The way the format is set up, we have two on Saturday, uh, three on Sunday, and one on Monday night. Would you rather have the current setup, or would you rather just do a triple header Saturday, a triple header Sunday. Which way is in, which way is out? The latter is in. I am very much on the record as a massive sports fan that I need less nights of the week on my calendar where I feel like I have to watch sports. I need to have a life outside of sports. Stop trying to take over my life. And so it's like it, my options then are, okay, I have to miss them and that sucks. But, you know, on, on Saturday, uh, I'm sorry, on, on Sunday, uh, as we're recording, it's it's been fun to have the three games. Just give me one, a one o'clock game on Saturday. Problem solved, do it twice in a row and leave my Monday night alone. I It's, you know, we have a long weekend and somehow I find myself feeling like I have a packed agenda because I have to watch the NFL every moment of the day. And I, it would be nice to have a day off. So uh, the current format is very much out for me. Amen, Brian. Does, does anybody, do any of these executives <laughs> at any of these networks, any of these leagues, do they have a wife? Do they have kids? Do they have a family? Do they have friends? Do they have a hobbies? hobbies? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, come on. Look, my wife likes sports a, a whole lot. And she will sit down and she will watch sports with me. But sometimes it's like, can I just have a night where we can like go out to dinner or, you know, it's the middle of winter here. Maybe go on a ice skating date or something. And I don't have to worry about missing 
an NFL game. I mean, I'm with you, Brian. Give me the three. Give me the triple header. Uh, back to back days, and let's do it. Yeah, we're we're lockstep there. Triple header in Monday night playoff game out. All right, last one. Inspired by our activities yesterday, Brian and I had a lovely brunch together with our wives, some friends. Real nice time. So, Brian, of the classic uh, brunch drinks, I think you'd agree with me on this. Mimosa and Bloody Mary are, are kind of your mimosa and Bloody Mary, kind of your two classic brunch drinks. And I got excited there and knocked over my mic just, just thinking <laughs> about it. So which one's in and which one's out if you had to take one? Man, so this is closer than it used to be for me. Um, but I will say uh, for me, and I don't anticipate this changing, mimosas are in and Bloody Marys are out. And I know that 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 there's a, a portion of our listener base that that is probably sacrilege. I have, uh, we did have a great, a great brunch time. It remind me this question of a, of a story from uh, not too long after we graduated college and we went and visited a friend in Los Angeles and we went to a place called the Venezuela for some, for some bloody Marys. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm weird on my tomatoes guys, listener. Uh, I'm weird with tomatoes. Okay. I, I had some tomato soup a little bit before we recorded. I love tomato soup. I like ketchup. I hate tomatoes. I don't understand it, but that's where I'm at. And drinking them is not uh, what I would like to do. But it's interesting because, you know, you and our friend really enjoyed yours. I tried mine. I didn't love it, but I've evolved. Right. Again, you know, it, you know, as I'm telling these stories, Stephen, most of my Bloody Mary experiences in my life, you are you are right there. Uh, but when we went to the Georgia football game in Athens, did like a mix your own Bloody Mary at brunch before the game. That was wonderful. Put a lot of horseradish in it, some spice. That was great. But mimosas are can't miss for me. Mimosas in, bloody's out. See, that was going to be my trump card for you. I was going to ask you what college football <laughs> Saturday was one of the most fun you've ever had. I knew the answer was going to be going to Athens because we had an amazing time at that Bloody Mary bar. Uh, Athens, a great town. I can't remember the name of that bar, but it was a great bar. Ton of fun. Make your own Bloody Marys. Like, what would even a make your own mimosa bar be like? It's like you can have champagne and orange juice. And what? Maybe they'll give you like a grapefruit, <laughs> grapefruit juice. Does that even yeah, count? A grapefruit option. Yeah. A grapefruit I don't know. option. Maybe. Yeah. No, 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 no. Give me the Bloody Marys. Give me a little Old Bay rim around it. Give me the mm. spice. I, I like the I like the spice on a on a Sunday morning. You know, maybe you're you're celebrating your day of of great college football, college basketball bets, or you're you're rebounding, trying to get ready for the NFL. Maybe in this case, college basketball now. So give me those bloody marys, bloody marys in, mimosas out. Oh man, that was a ton of fun. I I like this segment. I can't wait to keep doing it because it was yeah. good 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 time and uh we'll do we'll do a little college basketball every week you know maybe two college basketball i don't know as things get a little more serious here down the stretch but we're gonna be mixing in some non-college basketball stuff as well yeah i like it brian always a good time hanging out with you always a good time talking college hoops can't wait to continue to do it again throughout the rest of the season that's our show until next time keep the grill hot and the cooler cold